Welcome to the NARPM Podcast, where we bring you the most in-depth look into the property management industry. We discuss hot topics with property managers, vendors, and those that support the property management industry. The National Association of Residential Property Managers is the recognized leader in property management. Our host is Pete Newbig, co-founder of Empire Industries Property Management and co-founder and CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. Now, here's your host, Pete Newbig. Welcome to the NARPM Podcast, and thank you for joining today. However you may be listening, iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or through any of the podcast platforms, thanks for being here. We're in for a big treat today as I interview Matthew Whitaker, CEO of Evernest. Matthew is a student of the book Good to Great and is passionate about building Evernest to become the best property management company on the planet, and maybe even in the universe if Elon Musk will hurry up. To do that, he spent the first 10 years of Everness in the trenches, but now focuses most of his time facilitating growth in other markets. Everness right now has, I believe, 15,000 units in 29 markets. Entrepreneurship runs in his family. His wife runs a successful business called Engaged. You can find Matt Matthew at the baseball field with his son, at a dance recital with his daughter, or at his favorite restaurant with his wife when he's not in the office. And if you can't find him in any of those places... Probably means he's traveling. So we're going to talk to Matthew here in a in a few moments. But first, we have our hot topic of the day, our hot topic. So the other day, I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he's right at around 100 units, all single-family properties. And he was asking me, Pete, you know, how do, we, how do I grow my business? And so we started getting into a discussion about, you know, do we invest money in marketing or, or in sales? And I know all the business gurus and the business books will tell you, obviously, you invest money in marketing first. Marketing creates the, uh, the leads. And then from there, once you have enough leads, you need to hire a, a salesperson or take on the sales. And in theory, you don't need sales until you have leads. And, and, I, and, and obviously, I, I do agree with that. Uh, Steve and I, when we built Empire, we, we, we did basically that. But... I think it really depends uh, a lot of it on your skill set. If you are a salesperson, like most entrepreneurs are from the sales side. Now, in PM business, a lot of us are operators that, that end up falling into the PM business, and I get that. But a lot of CEOs are, are on the sales side. So if you have the sales skill set, but you don't have the marketing skill set, well, maybe it's better to invest some of that time and effort and money into sales first, right? So, for example... We came up with a bunch of different ways that you could drum up leads through sales. Uh, you know, number one way is you could buy lists, right? An eviction list, a, you know, an owner doesn't live here list type deal, out of, out of state person who owns a property. You can get lists off of your local MLS, right? Expired listings, properties that are being sold, that are on sale and, and over 90 days old. You can reach out to realtors and start building relationships with real estate groups and brokerages to get to, you know, to do a referral program and, and build leads and send leads your way. So there's a, there's quite a few things you can do uh, early on in your, in your life cycle that can help you, you know, get leads the old fashioned way, you know, dialing for dollars, so to speak. 
Now, if you really don't have that skill set for, for sales, you can also hire, you know, remote team members, shout out to VPM Solutions, to, uh, to, to make those calls for you, right? Hire the right personality profile in a disc personality profile. It's a high I. Uh, I'm sure that there is a, there, there's a personality profile in one of these profile exams. But with marketing, marketing over the last 10 years or so has really become, I call it the new IT, right? So um, I'll date myself. I graduated college back in 1992 for, you know, for you millennials, don't laugh. But yes, in 1992, when I graduated college, if you were in IT, it meant you were a programmer and it meant you were a COBOL programmer or a DBase4 programmer. And that's probably it. And so, so, but today to be in IT, you could be in hardware, software, security, wireless, uh, routing, development, what kind of development, Python, C++, you know, wide area network. There, there's just so many facets to, to IT now. And marketing is, is very similar now, right? It used to be, I'm a marketing guy. Well, now it's like, well, I'm marketing, but I know SEO, I'm marketing, but I do, you know, videos, I'm marketing, but I do, you know, Facebook ads, I'm marketing, but I do it the old fashioned way. I, I, I go and I, and I put on events. So there's all sorts of different, different facets of marketing. And now they're becoming so specialized that you, it's really hard to find a marketing person. And even if you hired a marketing person, you still need to invest money in the tools and in other, other people, you know, with, you know, that are maybe you know, contractors, because your marketing person is not going to have all the skill sets. And so at the end of the day, it's up to you, your skill sets and how many, how much money you have to determine, do I want to, you know, do sales first and, and maybe drum up some business that way so I can start investing in marketing so I can really grow the business? Or do I want to really want to market first and then, and then hire the salespeople later on to really increase that, that conversion rate. So we're going to take a quick break here and then we'll be Right back with our interview with Matthew from Everness. It's going to be a good one, so don't miss it. Scaling your business means juggling many moving parts, leaving you wondering how to manage it all. How can you keep your eye on growth and streamline your operations? At RentBridge, we've created the Property Management Operating System, an ecosystem for property management marketing and process automation, where you can view and take action on the most important aspects of your operations, from sales and new owner onboarding to leasing, collections, renewals, and more. By bringing operations and marketing under one platform, you can have end-to-end -end visibility of your owners, tenants, and vendors from the first moment they interact with you, allowing you to add more doors with less effort and scale a truly profitable property management business. To learn more, visit rentbridgegroup.com today. Did you know that most tenants struggle to come up with a large sum of money needed to move into their new rental home? Let Renters Insurance Solutions help you solve this problem by giving tenants another option for security deposits. Property managers can make up to $200 per door annually with our programs. Learn more at our website, yourris.com. That's Y-O-U-R-R-I-S.com. Renters Insurance Solutions, your experts in property management and insurance. All right, welcome back everybody. So I have Matthew Whitaker, as promised, with Everness Company. And Matthew and I, when we were in the green room, he just told me that he just closed on, was it four more property management companies? 
Yeah, we did. So when we're recording this, it's January 2023. And at the end of last month slash last year, we bought four property management companies that we're pushing out press releases right now on. Well, congratulations on that. So Matthew manages, Evernest now manages over 15,000 properties in 29 markets. So huge congratulations. That is a huge feat. So before we talk about where you are now, because I know we just touched on that, let's talk about the beginning of the story. How did you get involved in property management? Yeah, it's a story I've been telling a lot lately, actually. You know, I've been in the single family management business for 20 years. Uh, I started when I was 23 years old. I got out of college and I started, I, I was working a construction job, like a project manager on a construction job and started buying and selling houses on nights and weekends. And my first house, I actually uh, refinanced it, pulled all the cash out of it and stuck a tenant in it. And so that was my first time to manage a home. So I also being doing that when I was 23, I mean, that was pretty exciting. I had the resident in there for six months and it's crazy to think, but uh, you know, uh, today, after, now that we manage 15,000 homes, but that resident stopped paying rent after six months in the house. So my first resident almost oh, had to man. evict and didn't pay rent for three months. And now, normally um, that would, it, that would make people not want to get into the business. <laughs> yeah. That should have told me something, right? Pete, maybe I, maybe I would have escaped the business, but bought and sold houses until 2007, 2008 and 2000, uh, eight, everybody that was in the business knows what happened. The market crashed and I started a property management company. And the whole idea of the property management company was number one, to essentially help pay bills. But number two was to sell more houses. So everybody's heard of turnkey or the, the folks that are helping people by uh, fixing up houses and then selling it to them. And so that's what I was trying to do from 2008 until 2013. And in 2013, I went to a, actually a NARPM event and uh, got excited about potentially growing what I thought at the time would be a regional property management business. And I managed about 250 homes at the time. And a lot of people in the industry about that same time know of EOS. And so I read the book Traction. And in 2014, we kind of set this big, hairy, audacious goal to grow to 25,000 homes under management. At the Congratulations. time, I don't, the, you just finally hit that yeah. one. <laughs> well, we're close, right? right? We're at 15 of the yeah. 25. We think we're, we, we, we hope we're going to do that this year, but, but still stay very focused on it. We still have two more years left in that 10 year journey. And we've actually reset that goal, which I'm happy to share later, but, but only had 250 homes under management and just started kind of like grinding. And it, the last seven or eight years to kind of like skip ahead, it's just been kind of this crazy story of, we got into buying property management companies. We've bought 37 to date. We're growing organically very fast. So we're also, you know, it's not just a, like a buy strategy, but it's also, a, you know, using what we do buy to, to grow as a platform from. And so it's been crazy. This year is, we started the year, or last year, 2002, we started the year at 5,000 homes under management. And we ended with that, those acquisitions, we ended at 15,000 homes. So 2022 was uh, quite the year for us. And we, we still have a lot of excitement, a lot of good things going on and continue to be really excited. And, and for the people that are listening to this, I mean, we're all sitting in the right place at the right time as interest rates continue to rise. And as um, people continue to not be able to afford to buy homes or sell homes based on equity getting reduced because of those rising interest rates. 
we're all sitting in a really good spot to manage a bunch of houses. So I'm very excited about the next two to three years. Here come the reluctant landlords. That's right. 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 They, they left us for the last four or five years and now they're yeah. going to come swarming back. Yeah, they're coming back. So tell us a little bit about like your original vision was, you know, 25,000, which is still a huge vision early on. And then when did, you know, when did you shift that vision to the 250,000 that you have now? Like, so if I'm listening to this and I have a smaller company uh, and I have like a smaller vision, but I really want a bigger vision, what, what allowed you to, to think that big and, and what, what would you tell others? Yeah, well, first of all, Traction talks about setting that big, what it calls a 10-year goal, and then it becomes essentially you know, a nine-year goal, an eight-year goal. And as it got to three years, so when 25,000 houses became our three-year goal a year ago, we set a new vision to, by the end of the decade to get to 250,000 homes under management. And look, I've always kind of been a big thinker. You know, I, I never, and I think this is a really important message that I've always had in the industry is uh, it's okay to manage 300 homes or 200 and do it very profitably. And and that's that's an okay, uh, you know, if that's what you want to do, that's absolutely an awesome way to build a business and, and make a ton of money. Like some of the people that do that make just, unbelievable amounts of money because they sell the houses when they're ready to sell. It's just a, a very much a relationship business. I always wanted to build a business. And so I set that, you know, I, with two other people, we set that goal in a hotel room in Atlanta. And really it, there wasn't, it was kind of like the Goldilocks goal at the time. It, it was like not too big, not too small. It felt just right. And we, we, it, what's so crazy is we wrote it down. We talk about it all the time. And then what I feel like happens over the course of that 10 years is you start to, number one, believe it yourself. Uh, so there are times, uh, people ask me this all the time, there are times in this eight-year journey that I didn't believe it, especially early on. And But as you, the more you talk about it, the more you believe it. And then I feel like your brain goes to figuring out ways to get that done. And so our hope is that we cross over that 25,000 mark this year, which would put us over a year early wow. uh, and super exciting, yeah. but it's just amazing. I, you know, here we are kind of at the first of the year and I'm, we, I think a lot about goals at the first of the year and what I've gone and look back at the things that I've written down over the years about this time, just amazing. If you write something down and you think about it and you marinate on it, how you can, you go to your brain goes to work, figuring out ways to get that done. You almost speak it into existence. You almost think it into yeah, existence. Yeah. Yeah, you do. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think that you can just like write it down and forget about it. And then all of a sudden it's going to happen, but right. it, it is, uh, I think your brain works, especially in the off hours, trying to figure close loops, especially that's the way my brain works. And so as I marinated on 25,000 houses and how am I going to do it and how am I going to get from 500 to a thousand or a thousand to 2000, your brain works hard on figuring out that problem. And, and that's just, we, you know, our companies become very focused on solving that problem. And it's also get about getting the right people on the bus to use a Jim Collins term. It's, it's, it's incredibly important for us to, to, for me and my team to surround ourselves with people that believe in the vision and believe in that. And today we have 400 team members and having 400 team members waking up thinking, how can I get Everness one step closer to 25,000 homes is what it takes. But back when there was just three of us in a room 
it was all three of us taking one step, one step, one step. And what I feel like, what it feels like, interestingly enough, is you grind and you grind and you grind and you actually work harder early. So if you're at 300 or 400 or 500 homes, like it's way harder for you to get to 600 homes than it is for Evernest to add 100 homes. But we're getting the benefit of all the, and so you're having to work extra hard to get it to that next next right. plateau. Right. And later in this journey, as you continue to grow your business, it feels like we have to work, not that we're not working incredibly hard, but it feels like we're getting the payoff of all the six or seven years of grinding that we did in the past. And it's not crazy because we we actually look at it at our leadership team meeting the number of homes we manage, we look at it every day at our huddle. And it's not crazy for us to add a hundred homes overnight, net positive. And so it's, you know, I think about how hard it was for me to get to, you know, seven or eight hundred seven from seven to eight hundred or one hundred to two hundred, how hard it was. And then I may wake up tomorrow and all of a sudden we're managing a hundred more homes. So it's just kind of a kind of a crazy thing. So what was your original market? And how many homes were you managing before you decided to go into a, another market? Yeah, original market is Birmingham. And I think we got around 800 to 1,000 homes and realized if we were going to reach 25,000 homes, we were going to have to, you know, clearly there's 25,000 homes in Birmingham, but we're not going to be able to manage all of them. And so we wanted to, we knew we were going to have to go to other markets. And so for those of you who don't know where Birmingham is, it's about two hours, two and a half hours south of Nashville. So Nashville was our second market. But I actually started physically going up to NARPA meetings in Nashville at least two years, probably more like three years before we ever went up there. So I was already had this vision of building a business up there. And because I was consistently going there, that's where we found property it, management it, company it to acquire. Got, okay, so you acquired versus planting a flag there. Yeah, we actually planted a flag first, and the guy spent 60 days sitting on his hands doing nothing, and then we found the business to acquire, and then it was kind of off to the races after that. So have you planted a flag in other markets, or do you always buy something before you go into a market? And what is the benefit, always, what's the benefits and, and disadvantages of that? Yeah, we, up until about probably 12 months ago, 18 months ago, we always bought. So we found, just like I was talking about earlier, it's easier to grow from 300 to 600 homes than it is to grow from zero to 300. Mm -hmm. And so we have always bought to move into markets. That has changed a little bit. We are, uh, we've gone into markets. We've started managing for some institutions in the last 18 months. And so they have asked us to go to markets and they will commit a number of homes to us. And that gives us the same platform to grow from we feel like if they'll commit that number of homes to us. But up until about 18 months ago, we, we, we only did it through acquisition. Now, I do think as we get more and more sophisticated, as Evernest gets more and more sophisticated, there is a chance we're going to try to plant a flag and organically grow a market again, even without the institutional backing. But right now, we kind of have our hands full with everything we're doing. So not something we're focused on. So you've done... Was it 36 acquisitions now? Did I get that right? 37. Yeah, 37. 37 acquisitions. Okay, so obviously when you buy somebody, they have their own systems, they have their own software, they have their own people. So kind of take us on a high level, what, what that looks like. How do you fold a company into Evernest? 
Do you have like, a, have you guys perfected it yet after 37 times? Or is it everything is, is, is a, or like a box of chocolates, everything's different. You never know what you're going to get. Well, you, you are always learning something, although you do get better at it after doing it 37 times. Look, the person that we're looking for or the group that we're looking for is a little bit different than I would say other people that are buying companies are looking for. We really look for people that want to get out of the business. And when they get, when they're ready to get out of the business, we want to be there. So we think about somebody that maybe is retiring. You know, we want to be a solution if somebody's retiring. Or if you said, hey, look, you know, I started this property management business. I was a house flipper like Matthew was, or I was a real estate agent. And, and this is kind of like not what I really want to do the rest of my career. And I want to just kind of like sell it and go do something else. That's another, what we call avatar that we're very heavily focused on acquiring from. We don't look to the operator that says, I want to stay in the business and I just want to like rebrand myself Evernest. That's just not what we're looking for. There are some buyers in the market that will do that. And there's some, there are huge opportunities. Look, I think this is going to be a, there's going to be a lot of winners in this space just because there's, it's going to be such a big space. There's not going to be a single winner. And so it's just really important that we find the person that the, the types of sellers that we're looking for. What that allows us to do, Pete, is to integrate the business day one. So what we found is we want all of Evernest running on the same systems and processes, running the same software, running the same playbook. And day one, we flip a switch to do that. We have an integration team, uh, really the mergers and acquisition teams actually run by Tim Weiner, who's the NARPM president this year. So uh, really proud of him and excited that he's getting that opportunity to be a NARPM president. But he's also running a big piece of our business. Oh he's running the whole mergers and acquisitions business. He's going uh, to he's gonna ha have a busy year this year in 23. He is going to have a really busy year. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, and his team is responsible for you know, sourcing the deals and then contract to close the deals and then also integrating the deals. So today he has three groups of people that are doing uh, three, three groups of probably, I think it's five people. Uh, so 15 total people that are doing nothing but integration of these businesses. And so we, when we buy these businesses, if the owner leaves, there's typically legacy team members. So we're having to retrain them on Evernest systems and processes we're moving the accounting system over to our accounting system. We're just, we just do everything kind of like some people call it rip the bandaid. We just do everything at once. And then what we know is we're running our Evernest playbook at the end of 30 days. And those, those legacy team members, we have somebody that, that, that acquisition team will actually jump in and do a lot of the work, the day-to-day -day work and the integration of the processes while we're retraining those team members. And then after 30 days, we can like, after they're trained, we can essentially introduce them back to the organization and then they're running Evernest systems and processes. Are you migrating any data while you're in the due diligence process or do you wait for it to close? So do you like close January 1, let's just say in January 1 to January 31, you're moving all that data over and, and preparing for February 1 to band-aids ripped off? This is something we learned is that like the diligence piece as you're building up to close is doing a lot of the work that's required to move all the data onto your software. Yeah, got to get all the leases, got to get all the management agreements, got to yeah. dot the I's, cross the T's on the data. You're exactly right. And what we said was, look, let's do the extra 10 to 20% that, that moves it all the way over onto our systems versus waiting another 30 days and then doing that same reconciliation process again. So we're already doing it. So let's get it on day one. Now, we don't flip the switch and go live in our system. 
until you know essentially January 1st in this example. But we are doing everything we can and putting it all in a sandbox site and it's like ready to go. And then we flip the switch when, when we actually close. We actually close typically a few days before the end of the month, but so that we can get residents paying rent into our system versus paying into the legacy system, which everybody here will understand. Wow. And what software are you guys using? Is it homegrown or you got some out of the box? So we are, you know, the, in the industry, everybody knows Appfolio. So we are running Appfolio, but we are also building our own software right now too. So building some proprietary software. That software right now is focused on our maintenance business. So we have an in-house maintenance business. And as most of y'all around, uh, you know, on the podcast probably know is that there's no real software. I know there's some, there's some, there is some softwares out there that help with maintenance, but there's no fully integrated software that, that runs the whole maintenance business. If you are the maintenance W2 employees doing the work. And so we're, we're moving that. So we've written that whole software, our team's using it, all of our techs are using it. And so we're just biting off piece by piece by piece. And right now starting to work on some of the workflows in the property management business. And we call that software open the operating platform for Everness. And we're pretty excited about it. We think we're going to be running mostly proprietary software over the next 18 to 24 months. And is that just because it's more efficiency or is it more to, to be a prop tech company and you get a higher valuation or is it just both? Yeah, look, obviously the higher valuation is nice. So we think about this in a few ways. Number one is around client stickiness. Like, well, how can we deliver to the client more visibility, more transparency, have, uh, if you think about it, like more things at their fingertips that they want. And so we, we think about it, about client stickiness. The second thing we think about is just efficiency of our team. So there's a lot of talk in this industry around DLER, direct labor efficiency ratio, Jordan and Daniel Craig and, and their team uh, talk a lot about that. And so it's, Anytime we can replace people with technology or, or, or low level tasks with technology, we don't think about technology in the, in the, in the, the like way of just replacing people. What we want to do is use our same people and scale using our same people and be able to do more with our team. So very much kind of like with the way lean manufacturing looks at it, how can we do more with the same team that we have? So those are the first two things that we're tackling. And then there's, there's all sorts of other things that kind of like doors that get opened when you start writing your technology. Some people, I'll just kind of name a few. I mean, you know, uh, payments, you know, people monetizing the payments, being able to deliver other services through those, through the technology. So um, look, that's what, that's well down the road, but right now we're just focused on creating sticky clients and making our business more efficient. And we basically reduced our tech stack from our maintenance tech. So you can imagine we have 40 maintenance techs that are running around America fixing toilets and a bunch of other things. And when they would show up day one with Everness, we would load five apps on their phone. For, on a, main, we for would a maintenance say, tech? That's, that's a yeah. lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, we literally, you can appreciate this. We would lose maintenance techs at week one because they couldn't wrap their brain around the technology. Correct. Now we load the Everness tech app on their phone. And it is very obvious, you know, what you need to do. And so I had a maintenance tech in here that was eating breakfast with me about a month ago. And, and he was just gushing about how much easier it was, how much visibility he had into his day, 
what was important because we can highlight things that are important that he needs to fix and which helps us bill faster. So it's just, you can imagine just creating a whole lot of, or removing a whole lot of friction in the process. Are, are they in every market that you're in the maintenance company, or is that something that you're working towards? Yeah. Anytime we get past about 300 homes, we're going to hire a maintenance, a generalist maintenance tech. And then when we get past call it 500 homes, we've, and, and this is, this is very market specific, but generally across 500 homes, we think about hiring a plumber because plumbing is the number one specialized work order that we get. And then you must not be in Texas eight. yet. Cause it'd be, it'd be HVAC. <laughs> it'd be, oh, okay. Well, and then at 800 homes, we get, we get the HVAC tech, but you know, the, the HVAC se- seems to be a lot more seasonal than the plumbing. Plumbing breaks consistently. HVAC typically breaks at, at certain times of the year. But yeah, when you get to 800 homes, then all of a sudden you're able to, to hire that person. Yeah, I will say HVAC breaks all times of the year in Houston. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, there are definitely some markets like Florida and yeah. Texas and yeah. California where the HVAC is probably consistently breaking. So when, when you were first starting to grow your business into other markets, what was the most difficult process that what was one that kept breaking that you're like, man, we really got to fix this. And then how did you? Yeah, a lot. Like everything's been broken <laughs> at least once here. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'm an MMA, MMA fighter. <laughs> hey, I've had uh, this arm's been broken. This arm's been broken. <laughs> Look, as you scale the organization, I, I heard somebody say, and I think this is generally right. Like every time you double in size, like a third or half of your processes break. And, and we have found that generally to be at least directionally true. And so I think the the biggest key to scaling an organization is all around finding great people. And I've you know posted this on LinkedIn a lot. What I think we've done gr- really well as an organization is gone out and find really talented people, sold them on the vision, and then brought them into an industry that is a tough industry. Look, nobody, I don't, there may be somebody on this that's listening to this podcast, but I don't know too many people in this industry that didn't like, that it, that ended up here intentionally, like they were a young kid and they thought, I'm just going to be a property manager when I grow up. Maybe they had a family business and they inherited that family business and they did. But I think reluctantly, um, even 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 if that's the case, it's probably reluctantly. That's probably true. Yeah, because <laughs> most of those kids ended up painting houses and cleaning up trash of rental houses. And they're like, I'm never I'm doing that. I'm going to go. I'm going to get a white collar job. And so, so it's, it's really a a space where you've got to sell the vision and, and it's a hard job. I mean, what we're doing is, is, is a, we live, I I tell my team all the time, like our business is problems. And so, you know, whether it's the tenant has a problem or the owner has a problem, like we're, all we are is problem solvers and that can certainly wear people out. But as we scaled to other markets, what I found is yes, the processes would break down, but where there were really talented people that were there to where they broke down, either fix them or to help us rebuild the processes, that is where we found the most success. And so in our organization today, where the leaders are, where the people that are willing to kind of like buy into how Everness sees the world, our business is growing, it's profitable. And there are markets where people aren't quite as bought in and the market may still be growing, but but maybe they're not as profitable. So. Let's switch to marketing real quick before I get you out of here. You're growing organically and you're growing through acquisition. So if somebody's listening to this, what is what are one, two, or three ways that you would recommend to them on how they grow their business organically? 
Yeah, they can do exactly what I did. A lot of people may or may not know, and I'm going to do a shameless plug, Spencer Sutton, who's our director of marketing here in Birmingham, he and I do a podcast called 300 to 3000. And we talk a lot about this, but when we first started and Spencer and I've been together for seven or eight years, we started creating content. And so I have been creating content for you know, videos. And Spencer loves when new people come to Birmingham to throw an old picture of me with uh, long hair up on the screen and say, here's Matthew creating content eight years ago. But, but that's something anybody can do if they're willing to do the work. You know, set your iPhone up. And uh, the, the easiest thing we did was we started creating content around questions owners ask. And we would answer, we tried to, I, I, I sat down one day in Excel and just created a hundred questions that I'd gotten when I was on calls with potential clients and just started answering them one after another, one video at a time. And then we would post that video and that, you know, some videos would get 12 views. Some of them would get eight or 900 views. But even those, if you think about those 12 views, I, I was able to have 12 conversations off of a three minute video. And, and that's a great use of leveraging your time. And so I think from a marketing perspective, other than the clearly, you know, paying for Google AdWords and paying for all these other sources, I, I think organically growing your brand is a great way to grow your business. I, I'll tell you another person I think does a great job about this is Peter Lohman in Columbus, Ohio. You know, he has grown his property management business by growing his brand and he chooses to do that through Twitter. I know he, he's active on LinkedIn too, but, but when you start out, marketing is hustle and marketing is consistency. And I think maybe everybody hears this on this podcast and says, you know, I'm going to start shooting videos, but where do you stop? Do you stop at 10? Do you stop at 20? Do you stop at a hundred? Do you stop at a thousand or do you do a video uh, you know, a day for the rest of your career. And, and that kind of stuff has a long tail to it. We're still getting leads today off videos. Spencer and I did four or five years ago. Wow. Matt, Matthew, I can sit here and talk to you all day long, <laughs> but with the interest of time, I'm going to take a quick commercial break and I'm going to come right back with the lightning round. Are you ready for the lightning round? That'd be great. I, I don't know if I'm ready, but I'll sure try. All right. We'll be right back everybody. Create the best move-in experience for your resident or homeowner. Citizen Home Solutions is a utility concierge service designed to assist with services needing activation prior to moving into a new home. Our experienced team will help eliminate the stress of setting up services. No more calling a long list of service providers to get everything connected and ready for move-in day. Your client will value the white glove service provided on your behalf. True, Citizen Home Solutions assist with utilities, but more importantly, we create an experience that your client will appreciate and love. Our service is free and offers you a revenue share program. Want to know more? Visit pmcpartner.com. Have you ever considered hiring a property management virtual assistant but didn't know where to start? Or have you tried hiring a virtual assistant but you weren't satisfied with the number of qualified applicants? If so, VPM Solutions is here to help. VPM is the world's first virtual talent marketplace dedicated specifically to property management and real estate. We have thousands of talented virtual assistants ready to work for you, including assistance for accounting, leasing, maintenance coordination, rent collections, and much more. With VPM, you can post jobs, screen candidates, hire and pay your virtual assistants, all from within our state-of-the-art platform. 
VPM is the easy button for hiring and managing your virtual team. And the best part? VPM Solutions is 100% free to employers. That's right, free. No placement fees, no employer markups, and no hidden charges. With VPM, property managers get the talent they need while reducing costs and improving customer service. Visit vpmsolutions.com and create your free account today. PestShare, a pest control amenity for your resident benefits program, starting at just $5 per door. You can give your residents the pest control coverage they need. PestShare will even pay for the expensive infestations like bed bugs and cockroaches. End the debate over who pays for pest control, while PestShare turns an expense into added revenue. For more information, check out their website at pestshare.com forward slash property managers. All right, welcome back, everybody. We got Matthew Whitaker here, and he is ready for the lightning round. All right, Matthew, here we go. What is one thing most people do not know about you? Let's see. I don't listen to a lot of music. I don't like to stay up late. And if I do listen to music, it's actually like Frank Sinatra. Old school. I like it. <laughs> what is one piece of advice you would give someone just starting out in business? Read the book Traction. Does pineapple belong on pizza? No. What book you're currently reading or what is one that has impacted your business or life? We're actually about to drop a podcast about this, The EOS Life. And this is a book by the same guy that wrote Traction, uh, Gino, Gino Wickman. Wickman. Yep. yep. And he wrote a book called The EOS Life that he pushed out about a year ago. And I've been reading it every quarter for the last five quarters and setting goals around that. I want to get that one. Which Marvel character do you most associate with? I don't watch a lot of movies, so I don't know who I'm, I don't even know a Marvel. I mean, how about what comic book character do you most associate? What comic with? book? Maybe Superman. I don't All know. Right. What is one challenge you're currently facing in your business? I would say managing the growth along with managing cash to grow a business really fast is really hard, both emotionally and operationally, but it's also hard on the wallet. And so as we grow our organization, trying to make sure we don't spend faster than we're growing the revenue. What was your first job? I can actually, I can literally see it. I look out my window over Smoothie King. I was a Smoothie King barista, if you can call it that. You know, I'll, I'll, when we get together, I'll tell you the time when I almost bought a Smoothie King. No I way. I decided against it. Yeah, I, 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 I worked I, at a Smoothie King. I'm I'm sitting in an office in a in an office tower, literally looking at the place of my first job. So it is the the exact smoothie. Yeah, so you know how to make an angel food. <laughs> yep, yep. I can I can make them all. What was your ideal? What what is your ideal vacation? I'm a mountain person. My wife is a beach person, and so that causes a lot of conflict in our marriage. So your ideal vacation is wherever, a beach, basically, wherever she wants to go. <laughs> wherever she wants to go. Look, she wins way more than I do. That's right. Which do you prefer, dogs or cats? Dogs. All right. Well, listen, Matthew, thank you so much for being here. If somebody, you know, wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way they get in touch with you? I post a lot on LinkedIn and love to push out content that I'm thinking about 
and also I think I mentioned it on the podcast, uh, the 300 to 3000 podcast that Spencer and I do all we're trying to do just like what you're doing here with NARPA, which I think is great is just add more value to property managers. And the whole goal of the podcast is to help people grow from 300 homes to 3000 homes. And so we're talking about ways that Everness did that. Excellent. And it's everness.co, correct? It is .co, yes. .co. .co. And if you are not a member of NARPM and you'd like to join, please go to NARPM, N-A-R-P-M dot O-R-G, or you can call the good folks there at 800-782-3452. And if you are looking for remote team members or virtual assistants to impact your business, to help you grow your business at a low-cost wage, please track, check out vpmsolutions.com. Matthew, thanks you so much for being here. Take care, everybody. Thanks, Pete. This has been a production of the National Association of Residential Property Managers, the recognized leader in property management, along with your host, Pete Newbig, CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. If you have a hot topic you'd like discussed on the podcast, please email us at radio at narpum.org.